0: Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. And we're recording. I'm excited. This is going to be a good one. This is definitely one to grab the Red Bull, grab the coffee, because we are going to go over some amazing research data. We're going to go over some uh, some facts. We're going to end some debates. We're going to just get into it on this podcast. What are you talking about, Casey? You're being so cryptic. Well, let me tell you about the guest. He is a marketing leader and a researcher. He's an entrepreneur, a strategist, but also the kind who rolls up their sleeves to make it happen. Because if you put him in front of a marketing automation tool, he's going to know what he's doing. So he's got the marketing tech background, ways of social media, media ad buying as well. Uh, But man, the research is is why we're talking today. Um, We we had a little conversation and I can't wait to unleash this on everyone. So without further ado, the owner of the Rule Marketing Group, inbound and digital experience manager at the Petowitz Group, Caleb Rule. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I am excited to be here, and I and uh, joined the esteemed list of guests that have been on this podcast previously. Yes,
0: yes. There is a long list of Myth Smashers, and with that, <laughs> uh, it, it will be my job now to pass you something. So without further ado, let me hand you this. It's heavy, but I know you work out. Ugh. Okay. Grab for me, Thor's hammer. You got it? Wow. Got it. Back, Backhanding. The number of guests that backhand grab Thor's hammer is always interesting to me. You are a strong individual, sir.
1: It's the uh, it's the pickleball uh, wrist strength which yes. we can talk about later. Yes. Um, well, use
0: that use that power now to smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy,
1: misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. The ungate all of your marketing content movement is overrated. Overrated. Bam. Now, are you just tired of hearing about it? to a degree, yes, but that is not uh, the, the, the reason that we are here today. Um, and in fact, uh, you, know, you referenced research earlier, and, and this is something that I have been looking into. I, I've been talking with marketers uh, who feel uh, one way or the other, uh, because I, I've been on the record on LinkedIn as saying, you know, I thought the Ungate Everything movement was overrated. Uh, but then I realized, what if I'm wrong? And I just asked that question and I got, did you put that
0: out there? Did you, did you tell the powers to be on LinkedIn that you thought it might be overrated because did you get a, did you get feedback on that? Uh,
1: it was in, um, let's see. It was in response to someone from, I think it was refined labs, uh, who, who, who posted, you know, and they're all over the place Uh, you know, clearly they're doing some content marketing strategy that works, uh, so not not hating them them at all. But, you know, I saw it and I said, I disagree with this. And so I kind of got into it. And so I decided to I felt so strongly about it that I posted about it. Uh, Wait, are we talking but,
0: about our boy, Chris? <laughs>
1: not Chris Walker. The I would never go at Chris Walker because I'm pretty sure he could end me in, in 30 seconds uh, with his content if he wanted to. Well, He could just uh, stare if, at
0: you with his coffee infused eyes and then and that he, would probably melt you.
1: You know, when I was listening to his his appearance on on your show, I was just I could just feel that intensity. It's just like you know, uh, you know, I could even feel it uh, through the audio. So yeah, uh, you know, I've never met the guy. He seems super cool. Uh, cool no guy, was, yeah. uh, <laughs> One of his employees, you know, kind of posted, but then you know, I keep seeing people posting, "Hey, you should ungate all of your content." You had somebody, uh, Angela Earl, uh, on uh, you know a previous episode. Shout uh, out to Angela. Was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so uh, and she was passionately saying, hey, you should be on getting all your content. And so I thought, what if I'm wrong? What if I, after over a decade in, in, in the field, what if I've just gotten it simply wrong? Uh, and so I decided to talk to people. I started to really research it. Um, I pulled together a blog that kind of presented both sides. And I really tried to present that. It's on the Pettowitz Group's website. Uh, you know. And I didn't want to take a side in that article. <coughs> excuse me. And I wanted to say, hey, you know, here, here's the case for both sides. But here... <laughs> you know, we don't do this on this show. We have a take. And my take is, I really do think that the Ungate All Your Content movement is overrated. I think it has been trumpeted as this end-all, be-all thing on LinkedIn. And I don't think it's true for a lot of marketers uh, who may be listening and reading these influencers and and, and thinking, oh, I got to do this. You don't actually. Uh, And in fact, I think there's a lot of things you could do instead that'll be much more impactful uh, for you making your revenue number. Interesting. So you went into
0: this thing saying, okay, I think it's overrated. So you had this assumption, were you able to re- eliminate your bias? You know, because I think people will want to know that because I know you're about to tell us the, the things you've researched, but you went into this thinking this, and then you you still think this even after all that research.
1: I do. So that that's a great point. Uh, you know, when I was writing the article, um, I actually had um, folks who uh, fully believe in the ungate everything movement, I had them review the article uh, just to make sure, hey, am I presenting your point of view accurately? Mm. Um, you know, because I, you know, that was a fear of mine. You know, I, I took some journalism courses way back in the day in college. Uh, you know, I have written for newspapers. It, citing your sources is very important to me. And I wanted to make sure, hey, if I'm presenting both sides, I better really be presenting both sides and not be tinging it uh, with my bias, because I did know going in, hey, I think this one, this one thing, but I don't want this article to be confirmation bias. Right, uh, you know, totally. that's not what I would want it to be. Um, what's ended up happening is, is that um, you know, I do think it's overrated. Now, I did learn a lot of good reasons why you should be ungating content. I'm sure we'll get to that. So it is a little bit more nuanced. My take used to be that's stupid. You know, like like that 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 was my take originally. I learned a lot. And so I'm significantly more nuanced, um, you know, with it now. And I understand a lot more of where they're they're coming from. I just think that it's, you know, and that's why I didn't say, Hey, it's a bad idea. I think it's significantly overrated, however, because Mm. it's not this end all be all um, that some people on social media would make it out to be, which you have to kind of do on LinkedIn to, to, to get the views. Right.
0: Right. So that's, that's key that you've said and look, you chose your words carefully for that first sentence. Like I would expect you to be doing all this research and thinking, about, what is the word? You're not saying ungate everything is bullshit, right? You you could have if you wanted to. You're not saying it's, it's better than Oreos and milk, which almost nothing is. Uh, instead, nothing. you're saying it's just a little overrated. So it's like one of those football players that, you know, or one of those professional – any, any kind of athletic player that gets that extra salary and everyone's like, mm, I don't know about that.
1: Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that. You know, it's, <laughs> excuse me, it has merit, certainly yeah. uh, in certain cases, uh, you know, but I think as we go through kind of the reasons why I feel like it's overrated, uh, you know, I think it'll be, okay, you know, this applies more, you know, and a lot of people who are saying this kind of fall in one bucket, I have found, right. uh, you know, and for instance, I don't fall in that bucket. Uh, You know, and so uh, that's uh, just as we think about the marketing landscape as a whole, which I know you do, considering the range of people that you that you speak with, and of course, your own experience. um, It's, it's just interesting to think about, okay, how this one piece of the customer experience really ties into a lot of the other pieces within the marketing landscape, especially when you think about uh, all the different technologies and processes and, and, goals that a marketer might be juggling on a daily basis. Yeah,
0: I can totally see it being interdependent on in other parts of the strategy. And if you if you say your strategy is X, you should probably have your tech you know, match that accordingly. I think too often we put the tech first and then try to have the strategy fit into that bucket. So it makes sense we're doing that. I think from my perspective too, the thing that drives me crazy is when the people saying any kind of strategy, you know, it's always like, beware of marketers telling you marketing strategy and and does it fit into them selling you their product right you know uh hubspot's great at putting their stuff out there but are they convincing you to get on hubspot probably they probably should (laughs) and then you know anyone that says ungate your content and then offers a chat tool perhaps or some other kind of uh way to get around using that but it's kind of a form but not really you know it's kind of a gate but not really yeah so i, I don't know i just I, I i don't like when corporate marketing sort of invades marketing strategy and then we're not really sure what we get so real quick i want to ask you why does this happen in the why hmm. has this happened to the first where does the debate come from and then after that by all means let's dive into you know where you've you've landed on all your research
1: so i feel like uh and, and, you know, I've really thought about this over the last couple of weeks, probably more than I should. Probably, uh, But I feel like, <laughs> cue my wife popping in on this, kind of nodding her head emphatically going, yes, right. he's been thinking about it too much. You know? um, I feel like with LinkedIn, you have a subset of people who fall into the influencers category. I think a lot of them um, are SaaS. They are software as a service uh, providers. That's, that's not to say all of them are. Uh, but I do feel like those are the types of people who keep popping up in my newsfeed uh, and and in other people's newsfeed, and they are kind of directing some of the conversation. I also feel like a lot of SaaS sales activity is happening on LinkedIn, because if you're B2B, um, you're certainly trying to drive to getting those conversations uh, with B2B customers, and LinkedIn obviously is, is regarded as the best place to do that. You also have folks like Chris Walker, who if, you know, their ICP is a B2B SaaS company. Uh, I went to their websites. Like, let me look at, you know, why are, they, why are they talking about this? Well, it's because their ICP is a SaaS company. Yeah. Uh, and so, th- you know where their ICP is? LinkedIn. <laughs> right. Some of those influencers. Uh, so, look, it's probably working great for them, uh, you know, because, you know, you, you see all their content all the time. Well, so is their ICP. So, great job. But in terms of, let's think, a marketer like me, I'm marketing services, In fact, it's a marketing service, or let's say I work for Visa, or I work for uh, IBM, or I work for a pharmaceutical uh, company or an industrial manufacturing company, how my buyers operate is going to be significantly different Mm, than a SaaS company. And my calls to action are also going to be significantly different. And so therefore, the buying journey might be significantly, significantly different and a lot longer, more complex with more touch points along the way
0: hmm interesting and you know i think what we'll do is we'll, let's uh let's get to your research the why and why nots or or what what really you would distill out of this and then probably talk more about the chris's and the angela's and maybe you know bring you know bring in their episodes and whatnot as well so Fair. so where are you at you you you've compiled you've talked to so many smart people and then then uh it's like b- boiling an ocean or an ebook like i We will definitely link to the file that people can get in the show notes. If you're curious to get more, definitely go get that because we can only cover so much here, but like, what, what, what can you share with us today about what your learnings on this topic?
1: So uh, the five main reasons that I feel that ungating everything is overrated, it, it starts with this, you know, and as somebody who, I mean, you wrote a book, marketing automation unleashed, right? So marketing automation is near and dear to your heart. Yes. So I'm going to start with this. Forms are not evil. Mm. They are not evil. Bad forms are evil. If you fill out a form and the content is not worth the price that you paid, which is your information, that's evil. Um, You can even say, uh, you know, spammy nurture cadences that you get that you didn't sign up for after downloading said content. That's evil. All of that is a very poor customer experience, but the right. form itself is not evil. Uh, in fact, I, I would argue that there's many ways to make a form a very, uh, quite a frictionless experience, right? Uh, I mean, you know, one thing that we do, some of our best performing content, it might be 4,000 words. You may not want to spend the time on our website reading a 4,000 word blog, which is ungated, by the way, uh, you right. know, but it, it but. It's because it's a blog. I'm trying to get you to our site and learn about us uh, on a topic of, of expertise. But I'll offer that to you in PDF format. All I need is yep. your email. I don't need any other information to get you my content, but then boom, you're in my database. How much time did you really take to fill out that form? Five seconds? Five seconds? Right. You know, are, are we really crying foul about something that takes at maximum 30, well, should take at maximum 15 to 30 seconds to fill out? And if you're using an embedded form on your website, your browser is probably out of filling that information anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Such a good point. Right. I think we like to cause create waves in marketing sometimes just to get that message above the noise. And so you're right. It's like the, the baby out with a bathwater type metaphor where, okay, some forms have been done so poorly that it's like a crime against the world, you know, against all business that this form is so bad. And that doesn't mean that all forms are bad. You know, and just, just like, you know, I've gotten a spam email in my lifetime. That doesn't mean all email is bad. I've had a business send me spam email. I got a weird text message trying to ask me to sell my house. And I hit stop and I'm like, maybe it's not even an autumn. I don't know what it is, but that was bad. That doesn't mean all text messages are bad, right? So I think there's a sort of a, it's either juvenile or it's just trying to, yellow journalism type of thing where you're just trying to create this, sensation of like, oh, all forms are bad. You, you need some sort of, you know, cause the champion for your marketing and hey, good marketing for you. But just because it's good marketing for them doesn't mean it's, you know, the strategy you need to adopt.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that kind of leads into the second point, which yeah, I alluded told to earlier, right? Which is that not everyone is a SaaS company. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say it, right? So if I'm a SaaS company, I'm focused on metrics such as annual recurring revenue, such as how many booked demos I'm getting, how many people are signing up for the platform. And then our, our, is our customer retention, uh, really strong as well. You know, cause yeah. the net new acquisition means nothing if they don't stick around and continue using, uh, the platform. So if my call to action is request a demo, okay, fine. Guess what? A downloaded white paper does squat nothing. It's mm-hmm. not going to move the needle. Now, it, now, you could argue that somebody in the database may says that they're interesting, but it probably means a lot less to you if you need that request to demo. However, if we go back to some of those other industries, right? Fintech, pharmaceutical, services, um, you still need to convince the person uh, that you're worth their time. Your buying cycle could be seven months or longer. I've seen a deal uh, in the last year that took nine months to close. It was a high six figure deal, Um, you know, through attribution. I'm not going to tell you where they came from, you know, because over nine months. But I know there was a touch point way back then. Took them nine months to finally come around, Uh, you know, and the ability to be able to nurture some of that, you know, whatnot uh, kind of was helpful. Uh, We were able to send them and see what was going on through outbound activity. But we're also not a SaaS company, you know. So, so I think a lot of the people that you see who are saying you should ungate all of your content are either targeting SaaS or they are a SaaS company. And if I had a jelly bean for every time that I heard somebody say you should ungate all your content and then have them request a demo, my my dentist would be coming after me and my kids, uh, you know, very very quickly. So they say they say get
0: rid of gates, but then they say request a demo.
1: Yeah, it happens all the time. And so that that's become the thing where I look for that. If somebody is, is saying, "Hey, you should ungate all your content, what's their CTA?" And I just look for it. And so often they just default to, "Yeah, just request a demo." Not everybody has to request a demo as your CTA. <laughs>
0: so- oh, but well, hold on. So they're saying, "Don't have don't have a call to action other than your demo." So give uh, so they're saying like give people all your content for free because the only thing that really matters is them asking for a demo. Correct.
1: Uh, and, you know, and, in some, and in some regards, I can understand that, right? You know, like if you're trying to create demand for a product that they may not know exists, it is more valuable to you for them to actually consume your content and to actually have heard about you. Uh, so that way you can actually get into their initial consideration set when they have a problem trigger and then they're actually looking at solutions to be able to solve their problem. Um, however, there's a lot of times when you're thinking longer term, right? Uh, SaaS may not be able to think long-term. Uh, but a lot of different companies can. Hey, what's my five-year roadmap? SaaS, if you don't make your numbers this year, you may lose your funding, <laughs> you right. know, or, or there's going to be um, hell to pay uh, con- t- potentially. So it has to be a little bit shorter term. Now, I don't say this saying that SaaS is getting anything wrong or, or, or the, uh, that they could be doing better if they have gated content. Yeah. But I'm saying, what I am saying is that it seems like everybody who is propagating that you should be ungating gating all your content falls into one category, and that is SaaS.
0: Yeah, I I wonder though. uh, I I would even challenge the folks on the okay, get rid of the gates in front of everything except for your demo request. That demo request is not early in the process. You know that's that's such a late stage request that, and I I know our friends at some of the uh, the Sixth Sense and places like that are are willing to do these things because they have their their tracking elsewhere. But the idea of of allowing someone to go on their way without getting them. And because the only thing you're offering, it kind of reminds me of the old days where the only, the only thing people would offer was like a contact us, you know? And it's like, nah, people don't want to contact you. They just want to get your stuff and then go away. And if they, if they do that, then they, maybe they don't come back. So why not get a little, little love? And, and I, chris walker's approach of like having a little news people can read when you're very early in and you're you're gonna get them one way or the other maybe some facebook retargeting cookies okay i i get that but man you gotta capture something you gotta allow them to give you the email address before it's a demo request i don't know what do you think
1: i agree with you fundamentally you can disagree i mean you have the hammer now so it's okay (laughs) um I will say so. Kind of, I have divergent thoughts on this. Cool. I agree with with kind of what Chris says with the newsmaking. Right? You need to be getting generating the headlines. You need to be. It's top of mind awareness. What it is, right? We've heard terms like wallet share, mind share. That's real, right? I mean, it's voice. uh, It's it's really market share. uh, You know, are you in somebody's brain when they need a solution to the problem that you can solve? If yes, you have a strong brand. If no, guess what? You're probably not going to win the deal. Right. Um, I do think. Uh, it's also funny that you mentioned six Sense, right? So I have six Sense. I also have Drift, uh, which you alluded to earlier, uh, yeah. you know, with, with, with the lead bots. I'm yeah. just going to go off on a slight tangent here. In my yeah, research, I, you know, Drift wrote an article that said a year without forms. In that article, they talked about how they replaced their forms with lead bots. Which is a form in a right. different way and I would way. know that and I would know that because I'm our system admin for both Drift and Sixth Sense. Right. So I did that when we switched from some Marketo forms in our site, it took me a little while to wait, wait a minute. I haven't improved the customer experience at all. I have not removed. In fact, I've, you could even say that I made it worse, uh, you know, because now you have to wait on the bot to trigger the next question. I didn't actually remove any friction from the forms that we were doing.
0: might've delayed it actually. You're right.
1: Yeah. So I actually, you know, a mistake that I made was was hang on, you know, am I really able to reduce the friction by adopting this technology? The Answer was yes. I just didn't do it right uh, initially. Now, you know, we, we've significantly reduced the amount of of questions that we ask. Uh, the implementation, however, I don't have to use embedded Marketo code on the site, so there's some uh, technical SEO ramifications for that, plus resource constraints. Uh, you know, I'm able to do that in house, right? I don't need somebody from our Marketo team, uh, or, you know, or I don't need to, to <laughs> have somebody else do that. I can just go, bam, I need this now. I can do it now. Um, so when it comes back to the, to the question that, that you said, which was hang on, you know, requested them was very late in the process that kind of gets to something that I find interesting, which is, as we have the revolution of cookie list everything, it's not really revolution now, I guess, since everybody knows yeah. about it. Um, but, Tracking is less reliable. It's not unreliable, but it is less reliable. What is your cost, cost of acquisition going to be as you continue to remarket
0: mm-hmm. and
1: continue to remarket and continue to remarket? Yeah. Because you keep getting people to your website, but you don't know who they are. Right. You have, a, yeah. you have a user, and this gets and now you take that and think about it from a sixth sense or an intent data platform angle, whether you use demand base or whether you use Terminus or another platform out there. When sales gets an alert that says, "Hey, this account is interesting," what's the first question they're going to ask marketing?
0: Is there a lead with a phone number?
1: Exactly. Who do I talk to? Who
0: do I talk to? Yeah.
1: Who do I talk to? Do you have a lead that I can talk to? Uh, now, I, I can hear someone, uh, some, some folks that I talked to, uh, you know, for the article saying, wait a minute, you don't have to have those leads, because you could say this is a target account, they're showing interest, let's pull people into our database, and then you should really have some good outreach. So that way they know who to talk to, hey, based on what's in your database, Cold you may not class, have the man. exact, yeah, uh, kind of. Yeah, which is interesting, right? Because uh, the founder, uh, you know, or not founder, the CMO, Latney um, of Sixth Sense has a book, No Forms, No Cold Calls, No Spam. But it's very specific how you can get to using that platform to be able to enable no forms, no cold calls, no spam. And I got to read that because confident.
0: before I call bullshit on that, I got to read it because I, mean, I know Latney's is a great person, <laughs> but that, that title she, confuses she,
1: me. Yeah, she's she's awesome. Uh, yeah. I have enjoyed some of her talks, so I'm not throwing any shade at her. In fact, her book is—I know, but it confuses my, me. That title me.
0: confuses. I, I remember seeing a long time ago saying, oh, "This is great." Those are all words you'd like to see, but now that, hearing you say it, it's not, like that doesn't sound possible.
1: It is possible, but it's very niche. And I'll just be honest: I, it, you know, it, the steps that it takes to get there. I'm not confident that a lot of marketers are going to be able to do that. And that gets Mm. to another point where I say, ungating everything is overrated. Let's think about how marketers are regarded in a global organization. Think of Fortune 1000 company. Sure. You still have companies today where marketing is either seen as the pens and mugs department, the make it pretty department. Right. Yeah. Fortunately, that it seems to be shifting, but it's not eradicated. You still have marketers that are trying to get sales to work with them to figure out what's a valid lead. Mm -hmm. You still have marketers who continue to have the onus of educating up throughout their company that, hey, what I do impacts revenue. Here, let me prove it to you. And they are still met with barriers. This this happens all the time. Uh, Still today, do you really think that marketer is going to be able to keep their budget if they're trying to say, hey my leads dropped by 50% in the last quarter. They're not operating in an environment that's going to allow them to thrive with an ungate everything content strategy. And that budget is going to magically disappear or it's a good point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause I remember having conversations like this around lead scoring and grading. Like if you're going to hold a lead up a little bit longer, so it can get a higher score, it means you get less of them, but they just have higher scores. But there's a conversation, a mature conversation where saying we're going to send less of these, but they're going to be better. And that actually makes your job more efficient, but don't throw me under the bus saying you didn't, I didn't send you enough leads, right? Like, So that you're right. It's very, it's a very tricky conversation to have easier said than done moving to something like that. You can't just knee jerk reaction, remove all your forms and, and wish for puppies and unicorns because then your number dries up. And if, you're not able to track contribution and sources or something, some way to show that you're doing something, then that's a, that's a quick way to get out.
1: So I'm going to ask you a question kind of uh, uh, tangential to that. Are you in the attribution is overrated camp or are you in the, how do you feel about attribution as we sit here? That's uh, another
0: tangent that uh, (laughs) let me write that down. Um, because if you get me talking about attribution, <laughs> I, maybe attribution is your next thing. Um, but then you're really going to have people holding torches to your house um, <laughs> afterward. Okay. Uh, yes. Pause on attribution. Uh, let's go back fair, to your list. Fair. I think we've done two. I think so far you got me on, on jelly so, beans. So
1: so we've we've talked about forms are not evil. Right. That was the first one. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about how not everyone is a SaaS company. Right. Um, so that was a big one. We've actually touched on, uh, just touched on one, which is marketing reality, where it comes to budget conversations, uh, respect throughout the organization. Uh, you know, I think there's a whole conversation we could have around company culture, um, especially where is marketing seen as a revenue driver. Um, right. If the answer is no, you got bigger problems don't right. go upsetting your content strategy because you have significant other problems that need to be fixed before you can consider changing your content strategy. Yeah. Um, we talked about, um, as well, uh, kind of, but I'm going to officially, you know, make this point for, which is please don't blame like, the gate itself for bad lead scoring. You've already touched on that with lead management and how, Hey, we're sending you the wrong leads. Okay. That's a lead scoring problem. That's not a, the gate exists and the gate is evil problem. Um, that is a different process altogether. And this is still rampant. Uh, oh, you're you saying
0: know, like blame tonight. the gate for the low numbers.
1: Yeah. Or, or blame the gate for, Hey, sales is ignoring all of marketing's leads because they're not sales ready leads yet. So the lead scoring algorithm is sending the the wrong lead at the wrong time to sales.
0: You're right. I, I could see a lot of people pointing at a form saying it's, it's wrong. It, it's the fault you know, of the form, but you're right. There's like, Multiple other things going on here. (laughs) If they're not sales ready, they still filled out a form. So it doesn't mean they're sales ready or not. It means you're talking to the wrong people, or maybe you can build some automations elsewhere. Yeah, it's a different different topic. You're right, but it's like, oh, it's the forms fault.
1: I I feel like it's one of the most common refrains that I see people say, which is which is somebody who downloads an ebook or or a white paper is not sales ready. They're right. They're not sales ready, but if sales is getting that lead, that's not the Gates problem. You know, wait, Just wait, they how, how
0: are they right though? Just because may, maybe they are. I mean, I'm not, I'm not ready to say mm. they're not. Are you saying definitively, if you download an ebook, you're not ready. I mean, you might be, I,
1: I suppose it right? does depend on what the content is. Um, okay. So, so that, that's a good. That, you know, point by you to to be a little more nuanced in the in the phrasing here. Right. So, are you know, saying pers- they
0: didn't request a demo? So, because they didn't request <laughs> contact, they're not ready for contact.
1: Uh, in some ways, yes. Now, here's where your lead scoring algorithm should come in play, right? If that person has been seen before, um, you know, and they've downloaded three other pieces of content, maybe they are, uh, you know, and yeah. that actually leads into as well. Point five, and I'm going to come and marry this back to point four a little bit, which is that first party data is still king. Um, you know, we, we I referenced Cookie List earlier, you know, as third-party data is unreliable, it is less reliable, it's reliable, but it's not as reliable. Uh, it, what's what's the best piece of data you could possibly have? A lead, information that was voluntarily given by somebody into your database. percent You know, and I've heard people say, well, people input fake stuff all the time. Do they? Uh, some people will. That's not gonna be validly fine. You're not gonna be have sales, you know, chasing them down your lead scoring algorithm should DQ them or, or tamp them down or something if you can't figure out who they are. So again, lead scoring, not a gate. Um, but I, I, as a marketer. Real quick, want, could you
0: explain that the, the parties though, just go through the part first, what's first party, what's third party.
1: Sure. So for <clears throat> no, that's a great point. So first party data is, is uh, data that you own. So let's say for instance, somebody comes to your website, you can track what that person does. Uh, that is first party data. You are managing uh, the sources of that data. So think it. Uh, so it's it's more like you know, hey, they came to your website. Uh, they're uh, they are um, filling out a form, getting into your database, outbound as well. If they click on an email and they you know, you can really see that. So your marketing automation platform is an excellent source of first-party data. Third-party data is outside of your purview. It's not necessarily what you can control. Uh, Some examples could be, hey, LinkedIn is looking, uh, you know, at these people who fall into this, this interest, uh, you know, group or uh, an advertising platform is saying, hey, an affinity audience is based on this. Well, that's their data. That's a third party's data. Um, You could have uh, data enrichment, Um, you know, that you're pulling from a third party data source to pull that into your database and make it part of your first party data. But it's third party data. You don't own it. You're just using it. Um, So that's just a couple of examples, but no, that's a, that's a great point as as that defining that, I think can sometimes um, get a little interesting.
0: When in doubt, if you own it, I mean, nothing, nothing comes close to that. Not you buying it from some source reputable or not, not you acquiring it. And it's like, no, it's yours. You know, someone voluntarily gave it to, that's
1: great. And and they raised their hand. They said, hey, yeah. your content, what you have is interesting enough to me that I'm willing to pay a price, giving you my information, knowing, especially in my field, because I'm marketing to marketers. So, hey, I, I already have a higher you know, bar to clear. I'm marketing to BDB marketers primarily. Like, you you know, people I'm marketing to are cynical like me. I don't feel your stuff necessarily. It better be worth it. Uh, And, you know, but that's the thing, right? If I find your content valuable enough to actually fill out the form, you've done something right. Yeah. And also they were willing to tell you, Hey, I'm finding that you're worth my time. Doesn't necessarily mean that sales should talk to them just yet, but marketing now has somebody that says that you say, ah, person X within this company is very interested in what we're doing. Also, your intent data is now going to have a name record uh, that's on it. Uh, that's on some of that information. It's going to be a much right. more complete picture when you look at the account level, even if you're trying to do account-based marketing. Uh, when you look at it in your CRM. Mm. So I'm I'm a huge you know huge fan of first-party data. Uh, my colleague John Searle wrote for the blog on on different ways to really look at that uh, as well. Uh, and it's uh, you know yeah, you know, there there is a tangent to that which is uh, email still undefeated. Yep. But, you know, kind of back to your earlier point, right? Uh, you know, I've gotten bad emails. Doesn't mean all email is bad. I get bad cold outreaches all the time. So do you, I'm sure. So do, who you know, whoever's listening to this right now is probably nodding their head going, me three. Yeah. Everybody gets terrible sales. Bad outreach. email,
0: bad event I've been to, you know, bad podcast. Never on this show, of course, but you know, <laughs> other places. But yeah, like you, just because you see a bad version of something doesn't mean throw any of that thing out. Beware! I've seen this before. I'm not sure who's who's quoted it lately on LinkedIn, but beware of anyone telling you to stop doing something altogether. You know, unless it's spam, but even that has its place sometimes.
1: I mean, spam can be tasty in the in the right. You know, if you fry it up a little bit. You know, it's like pan. one of those no. things.
0: Like everyone literally spams. Maybe there's like ten percent. Tell it, me if I'm wrong, right? But do, okay, we have all these. You know, Marketo has a thing. it has a thing. Like, don't yep. you know? Make sure it's your own data. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Check the box. They upload their files and they're like, let me spam
1: people. Yeah, that's true. I, th- I think everybody has done it at least once. I was. Now it doesn't more about- work
0: that well. It's a very low conversion rate, but
1: <laughs> spray and pray. Uh, spray and pray is still a thing, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, that the fact that it is. Uh, marketing tech has become so sophisticated and yet we still revert to outdated old school tactics that have not been proven to work. And if yeah. people who said that they do are operating from, uh, I, I would argue an outdated data set. Um, but sometimes you have folks like that who are in C-level, um, positions because, you know, Hey, when I was doing that 20 years ago, not saying C-level can't adapt, obviously yeah. they're brilliant C-level marketers who say things that I'm like, whoa, I'm never going to be as smart as you, (laughs) you know, Um, uh, but uh, you do have that happen where you have somebody with a legacy mindset, then they work their way up, you know, because they've earned it because they earned it. They've driven results and whatnot. But then, hey, customer expectations have changed. Um, You know, 2020, unfortunately, really highlighted some of that with the customer expectations. How you go to market has to adapt. And it's not just gates versus un-gates. It's a lot more than that. Um, but, but, uh, you know, some of yeah, your data I, content maybe, maybe doesn't need to be gated, but some of it should be, but in a more frictionless way.
0: Yeah. Tell me about that. So if you, if you were to give someone a, a direction to follow then around what to gate, what to not gate, when, where, and why, you know, from a 30,000 foot level, generally speaking, what do you, what do you. What's the, what's the best that you recommend?
1: So the first thing that I would do is uh, you need to know what your content is. Uh, I think there's a lot of marketers out there and I was one of them until somewhat recently where it was like, okay, what's actually on our website? What are we actually offering to, uh, to, to our prospects? And it's not just on our website. Content is anything a prospect or a customer can consume. It could be a video on YouTube. It could be an infographic that's floating on SlideShare. Could be, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. What do we really have? (laughs) And then what are we offering? And then what is working and what isn't? Now, this has bigger implications than just, hey, you know, how do you measure what's working? Uh, Is it driving, you know, is it influencing deals? Is it influencing deal, uh, you know, leads that become deals, uh, you know, in your database? Because, uh, you know, a lot of marketers, I would argue, um, through attribution struggles, bad data, or just just not having those two tied together, Maybe you can't, you know, maybe you can't tell me, hey, what content actually drives deals? If you can't Mm. answer that question, ooh, that's a gap, right? Right. But then you need to look at it from an SEO perspective. Hey, when people look at this content, do they stick around? Do they leave? Maybe that content's not working for you. So you look at all of your ungated content in that way, right? And maybe you should combine some of it. Maybe you should just delete some of it. Uh, You know, get rid of of, of the bad content on your site. Google will thank you. You'll see it in your rankings. Uh, We did. Um, you know, we have five X, uh, the amount of rankings and two X, the amount of traffic, 2.5 X, the amount of traffic over two years, because we deleted half of our website because a lot of our content was old and it just wasn't working for us. Gotcha. But then, okay, when do you get something? Uh, so there's, there's a couple of guidelines that I would use with this. Number one, they can't get it anywhere else and they can't get it anywhere else for free. Um, you know, hello, Gartner, Deloitte, Forrester, <laughs> Why, why, why do they have all these reports? Well, because I know if I go to their site, I'm going to get something I can't get anywhere else. Yeah. That form is going to be worth my time to fill out. Yeah. Uh, because and they I'm know it because
0: their forms are terrible. The forms have <laughs> like 18 <laughs> fields on them.
1: You're so right. Yeah. I, 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 I hate some of those where I've actually not downloaded things because the, you know, even though it's like, I really want to read this, but there's eight, for, yeah, there's eight yeah. fields as a marketer in principle. I refuse. Now, I'm probably not their ICP anyway, so they're like, whatever, dude. Uh, but, I, you know, if I feel that way, I'm sure other people do, too. Yeah. Um, so that's one. Number two, ask yourself this question. Is your content actually worth the price of their information? Because you're invading their privacy. You're, you're asking them to willingly say, hey, I exist. Target me. <laughs> uh, right. You know, uh, what put, put a price on that. Could you? I'm not sure I could quantify it, but you know, if time is money, you know, you think of those sales outreaches, Hey, can I have 15 minutes of your time? Well, let me think, um, you know, for instance, on, on my side hustle, that is, which is an on again, off again thing. I charge 75 an hour. Okay. Well, if you want 15 yep. minutes of my time, then, you know, is it really worth, eh, not quite 20 bucks. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, Cause I don't right. know who you are yet. Now these right. are bad, cold sales outreaches, but when you start putting a figure um, to that number, and then you think about it in this context, Hey, what's the price of of me giving your email address? What do you think a marketer, you know, what would you put on it, Casey? What what, what kind of a number, you know, how much is your email address and your intent worth to a company, you know, or to you to give it to a company? 25 bucks, 100 bucks, $300?
0: Yeah, I think you, it's a great question. It ties back into... The email address isn't really worth anything, but it, it's how much time is it going to take for me to unsubscribe? How much time is it going to? Are you going to add to my my inbox, which is already hmm. a pain in my ass for sure? So it's like <laughs> if you're if you're going to harass my inbox and I'm going to have to go through a dance to unsubscribe, that might take me five minutes, which makes me a little bit less ri- risk adverse sometimes. And I'll just throw it out there and, and see what happens, and I can unsubscribe if I need to. Uh, but yeah, and it, it, this. I'm, I think as a marketer, we're, we might be a little bit more carefree with it because we kind of know the game and we know that unsubscribes True. are unsubscribes. True, but I think a lot of other people might be a little bit more protective of that. And you're right; there, it it has to be something you really want to get. You really want.
1: And, and, and so this is one reason why uh, you know we have moved actually away from white papers uh, and, and you know, by themselves necessarily or eBooks. We still have a couple because people keep downloading them. Okay you know, until people stop downloading them, uh, you know, we, we will keep that as a gated standalone piece. And that's a, a side note, ask yourself, Hey, if I have a piece of content that's gated, are people actually downloading it? Cause if not you either need to repurpose it or un-gate it. Uh, okay. So that's that- fair.
0: Okay. That's a fair approach. Um, I, I won't profess to be like hardcore, all the direction of <laughs> all, form, everything everywhere, but of course given, not. given an opportunity, I will just say, if you don't know any better, just gate everything. And but like what you're saying where it's like, okay, but take it off of certain places. And I will say sometimes there are just really shitty eBooks, in which case these people deserve Absolutely. to be shadow banned and whatever else we can throw at them. But I, I would say like yeah. if you wrote an eBook, knowing how much time and attention you put into this topic, I would totally put my email down. So I think there's, there's an element of showing people one piece of content is worth it and earn their trust I, you don't. I actually need them to fill out that you know fill out one form. The rest of them, I'll get you later on. But I think certain kinds of qu- content done right, like your stuff, gardener stuff, things where you know time has been put into it, then I think it's it's much more likely to get a trade.
1: And that's why we've actually moved to bundles, because a PDF yes. by itself is one thing. But we actually uh, you know have have taken a lot of those and bundled them together with fresh content or just repurpose some old content that played well once, but is still relevant, even if people aren't downloading it. Content
0: bundles, you heard it here.
1: You could get get four or five or seven strategic documents for the price of one form fill out. That might be more interesting. That's interesting. Um, So, you know, I'll give you an example. Great resignation. Everyone's, you know, one of our favorite buzzwords, you know, now. We have a talent bundle. And I'm not going to you know, try to sell you to go download it here, but like, why did we bundle it? Well, because, you know, if there's an org chart lookbook in there, that by itself could be interesting. But if why don't you tell people, like, that... where is it at? So it's on okay. Um And it is, uh, there's a trending topics page. You could actually see it front and center right there. Um, there are multiple bundles. There's a revenue marketing kit. There's a marketing operations kit. Um, as well. where It has multiple documents in one. So if you go to trending, uh, at the very top of the the site, you just click trending topics, and then you can uh, jump to your options and pick one that's interesting to you. I see. Yeah. Um, So, But you get multiple documents that speak to one problem, one strategic problem or challenge or just topic of interest all at one time. So all of a sudden, I look at this and I go, oh, for the price of my email, I get four documents? Now, a cynic might say, you made four documents that I'm not going to read. Uh, but you know what? If you downloaded it and you don't read it, um, there's either one of two problems. Number one, you weren't going to read it in the first place. So why'd you download it? We're all guilty of that. I have totally done that. I downloaded mm-hmm. something, best intentions. I got sidetracked by a burning fire, and I completely forgot about the PDF. Uh, yeah, that one was one Chris
0: re- Walker's key points. It's like nobody actually reads it. But I'm like, oh, it's okay, Chris. At least we got their email. We'll get them and, on the and, next one.
1: And here's the thing. You can send them a reminder email. Like yeah, one can. thing that I wish companies did was if I download your content, ask me how I enjoyed the content. Yeah. Because if I didn't read it, oh, I totally forgot about that. I think there's a real golden opportunity uh, there to be able to just say, hey, you downloaded some content. What would you think? Was it good? Did you not read it? We've all been there. Uh, you know, there's a really easy way to humanize uh, kind of uh, kind of how we do things. Uh, but with the bundle as well, you know, I'm looking at this going, okay, there may only be one document that really intrigues me, but then, oh, the second one, I actually didn't know. There's a chance for discovery, um, you know, as I'm going through some of that content. And then all of a sudden I'm feeding into binging. Hey, I could, you know, if I'm really hyper interested, I might binge this for 30 minutes uh, if it's super in depth or maybe for two minutes, but I'm going bam, 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 one document, two document, three documents. Hey, this is all interesting. My logo's on every uh, on everything. Uh, and now you're you're getting a strategic plan, uh, and you feel like you're getting the value for the download um, that you received. And we all that. love bundles. We all love bundles anyway.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And people should check out the Pedowitz Group. We'll link to it down below. The trending topics. It's actually it's a great masterclass on you've got you've got articles under deep dives that you can read without you know getting any kind of information. But of course, it links probably to all the things where you can you get the bundles and guides. I think that's a big takeaway for me today. I never thought about the bundle. And it's like, just in case one piece of content meet, let's be honest with ourselves, maybe your ebook alone is not as cool as you think it is. But the idea of seeing a talent bundle, revenue marketing bundle, marketing operations kit, all of that stuff bundled together, I think I'd give that a whirl. And there's my email address. And you know, now don't make it don't trick me actually give me some value, but if that's the case, man, I really like this stuff. So I definitely want people to check that out. But what I want to do now is cause I know we could probably talk about this all day, but I really want to switch and ask you this next question, which is who are you? How do you know all these things? Can you take me back in time to like little Caleb days? Did you always know you're going to eventually be essentially like the Gandalf of marketing and, um, and know all these things and know the power of the one ring uh, take me back in time. Little Caleb, did, what was it like growing up you?
1: The extended trilogy, always worth a, a New Year's binge, by the way. 100%. L-O-T-R. If anyone disagrees, fight me. Um, <clears throat> so who am I? I mean, as a little kid, actually, people thought I was going to be a lawyer. Um, yeah. I was uh, I was somewhat argumentative, potentially. Uh, I am a type A. I was a type A then. Um, but I was Which is amazing because you're
0: super gracious about the forms. You've been very... <laughs> nice about I, it to everyone involved. Uh,
1: you know, having children really humbles a man. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 uh, I have a four and a two-year-old and between them and two cats, I'm pretty much just told I'm wrong a lot. These days yep, yep, I hear so, that. <laughs> that That does mellowed me out a little bit, but uh, you know, I, as uh, little, you know, I was, I was growing up, uh, and no, I didn't know marketing at all. I, I know that I love strategy when yeah. I was four, I learned how to play chess. Cool. Um, and, and you actually, if you go to my LinkedIn or even marketing group or stuff like that, you know, there's a chess motif. I do play still, uh, I beat my dad when I was five, which may say more about him than me. Uh, you <laughs> know, cause, uh, cause now I think about it, I was like, was he good or was it I just bad? No. Um, but I, anything that kind of r- relates to, you know, Hey, this move will then lead to these other 14 potential moves, whether it's playing a game, you know, or the it's marketing, right. Yep. It's all chess. You move one piece and then, oh, infinite possibilities, uh, you know, kind of can come from that. Um, And because we're dealing with humans, a computer can't solve it. A computer can't solve everything. Hello, AI, uh, you know, uh, has not solved all of marketing's challenges because we're dealing with humans. We have psychology involved. So that was a huge influence on kind of how I got into marketing. I thought it was going to be a math major uh, in high school. I did joint enrollment um, at the local community college. We thankfully had that option. Uh, and then I took calculus too, as a senior in high school and um, wondered what in life could use this that I would enjoy. And the answer was not.
0: <laughs> you took calculus. <laughs> I took calculus in high school too. I did not fare well in that. I did not give it my focus.
1: <laughs> I, I will never forget. That was, uh, I walked out of the perfect, so I, I wasn't like the day I had the final, it was actually double booked because of a scheduling malfunction. So I had to go to the professor's office and take it on my own. So I'm like in this like little corner at a table taking this final. And I know I've struggled with this class. And I walked out of there like, I'm pretty sure I just failed my first class ever. I think he gave me a B out of pity. I'll never know. But shout out to all the professors who are, who are kind and gracious to people who, you know, you know, work, work hard. Seriously, Uh, I wish I had
0: that professor. I did not get the B, that's for
1: sure. I I, I was very (laughs) thankful for. I've never been so thankful for a B in my life. Seriously. Uh, So uh, you know, so I went to college. Um, I went in as undeclared because I I you know I thought I was going to be a math major. I was like I don't have any clue what I wanted to do, Uh, and uh, ended up becoming a mass communication major. Uh, Well, truth be told, because I really wanted to find a career path that would maybe one day get me on ESPN's Around the Horn. Which is a show where, for those who don't know, you have four sports writers. Although he's yeah. oh, the yeah. only sports writers. yeah, and they just they just talk about some of the hot top, hot sports topics of the day. Sports has always been something that I find interesting. I'm more of a generalist. I follow the headlines, but uh, I I loved that show. I still do. Yeah, uh, you know, and so I listen to the podcast now, uh, even sometimes. So, you know, how, what can get me on that show? let's roll with mass comm. let's try an intro class met some friends and loved it uh, we spent many long hours in the lab together you know editing video and doing all sorts yeah. of crazy things obviously that's not uh what i'm gonna be but uh that that's kind of that mass comm got me into a love of stories uh you know mm. and from there um thankfully the career uh you know kind of happened where I, I landed at what's now augusta university i uh, did some jobs that were kind of marketing related some website stuff some pr stuff um you know some social media management uh, and then I, I ended up at a marketing agency and that's really mm. where it took off, where I Where I discovered Google ads, SEO, Google analytics, and I really dug in and went, I really enjoy this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It kind of blends, it, it blends the creative side and the, and the analytical side, you know,
1: I, I, I love, I, I love using both, both parts of the brain. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I love being able to talk yeah. about, Hey, let, let's talk about, you know, drift integrating to six sense, integrating to whatever we can talk technical, but then five minutes later, I, you know, talking about, Hey, let's talk about this ad creative or how this looks or how this feels or something like that. And, and really thinking more creatively, you know, so you could talk to a, a marketing technologist, but then you can talk about uh, somebody who's more into the ad creative. I love that being able to ping back and forth because it's interesting. Uh, it's just interesting seeing how both sides work. Uh, and so I, I do enjoy, you know, you said it was the Gandalf because, because, you know, just the experiences, every marketer, I think, unless you're just a diehard specialist, you love one thing. I don't. Um, I love how it all works together, but I don't necessarily love doing this one thing ev- all, all day, every day. I love how it all works together strategically. Uh, and so that's, you know, kind of how I got there um, is, is being able to left side, right side of the brain, technical and uh, and creative. I may just flip mm. those, but
0: no, I know either, either side, whichever one is, which I no, I totally get what you're talking about. Um, and that just makes it, it makes it fun and makes it worthwhile. So currently now you're at Pedowitz. You're do also doing some of your own consulting as well. Tell us more about, you know, who's a great co- client for Pedowitz, and as well for your own consulting.
1: So the, my own consulting is, is on again and off again. Um, I have done, um, over over 10K, uh, you know, business with that. So I have worked, nice. at, you know, in, in a sales capacity uh, and stuff like, that, you know, to be able to sell it, but then I obviously have to fulfill it. Uh, my wife, um, who has creative, uh, you know, and has worked in agencies before. Now she's a stay at home mom which I'm very thankful for, but she has worked with me on some of those projects. So right now it's an off again, uh, kind of project, but Wait, as you need, you
0: said she's creative. Does she do like graphic design and stuff?
1: She, she has. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and so it's kind of nice because she's strong in that. I I can give feedback, but I know that she's the, she's the expert. So we work really well together. Wow. Uh, coming up on nine years of marriage. So I don't, uh, you know, so I, I, I've learned to listen <laughs> totally totally. well, I suppose, but, uh, uh, so, uh, you know, so that has been pretty fun, right? So for instance, had a friend who he does a luxury home building, uh, in Augusta, Georgia, mm. and, uh, his site just desperately needed a, a facelift. It's in Squarespace popped in, you know, just, just simple site made the content solid, did some local SEO work and, uh, boom. So within six months he said, dude, I'm booked out for a year.
0: Wow. Um,
1: and, you know, very thankful for that opportunity, um, to be able to do that just because it's like, Hey, You've got the opportunity. It's not going to take that much to get into a good place. So that was really cool for me to stretch some of my knowledge in a different way with a small business, right? With the, with the Pedowitz group. uh, So I'm on the internal marketing team. So I, I, I'm marketing the company to clients uh, and, you know, and you have enterprise, uh, you know, enterprises, global complex enterprises. uh, So we may work with one business unit. We may work with all of them. Mm. Uh, you know, there is a fortune 100 credit card uh, company, uh, you know, that we work with. I can't, I can't say the name, but we have some other ones who are like, um, Zimmer. Does Spider-Man, it rhyme with Lisa Corey.
0: or does I, it rhyme I, with, I, uh, to, to, <laughs> to, uh, to American, uh, yes, press?
1: <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm just going to say yes, to yes, yes, yes to all yes of it. To all. <laughs> it, it might, it, you know. So, um, but it, you know, we have some case studies on the site. Certainly, uh, you know, cool. we've worked with we've worked with GE um, cool. in the past, where that where we led a transformative effort across multiple uh, clients. And you know, it, it, what we do is is one of the reasons how I why I ended up at the Pedowitz Group. And this is just kind of a personal tangent: is I like being the dumbest guy in the room. Yeah. Because that means I'm going to sit, you know, so like currently I'm sitting here in a virtual room with you. I'm the dumbest guy in the room right now. Nah, uh, I, I, you know, you're, you're, you're interviewing me somewhat. We're, we're talking about something that I did, but I know that you have so much uh, knowledge, which is cool. So I love this. When I walk into a room at the pedigree group, I f- usually almost always feel like I'm the dumbest guy in the room. Not because I'm dumb. You know, I think, I think I, I do good work Great You and know, there's, there's thing. revenue yeah. impact, but they're so freaking smart.
0: Yeah. That's and cool. that's
1: why I came to the company. You know, they're doing all this stuff for clients, whether it's lead management overhaul, whether it's overarching strategy, you know, and hey, you've got to yeah. overhaul global processes, that sort of stuff. I'm sitting here in awe, just going, man, this is cool. Uh, you know, just watching them work and you just feed off of that energy where it's like, I can tell, A, you love what you do. B, you're really good at it. And C, I learned three new things in the last five minutes of this call. Like, whoa, this is awesome.
0: Man, that's cool. I, told, I totally get that. I totally respect that. It's always great when you can. I mean, it's it's weird for people because it makes you a little bit nervous when you are the not the smartest person in the room, but it's the best place to be um, as long as you can have a little confidence knowing that you're there to learn. And it's actually good to be that you actually don't want to be the smartest person in the room because then you're teaching or you're not learning, you know, one of the two. Uh, now I have a bit of a hypothetical question for you okay. because I may or may not have a time machine in Nashua, New Hampshire. And so let's say you come visit, we get some lobster, get some beers. And so you get to use this time machine. It goes back in time, particular time. You get to meet yourself a little bit after graduating and you get to meet like that younger version of you straight out of school. Doesn't know too much about the world yet. What kind of advice would you give yourself Knowing everything you've been through.
1: Facetiously, that girl that you're interested in, yes, go talk to her. Uh it worked out well. Hey
0: so. hey, her? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do that even sooner, maybe.
1: Like don't yeah, her,
0: don't delay on it. Don't kick around. Go for it. You got I, I would
1: yeah, next month is our nine year anniversary. I'd love if it was the 10-year anniversary. Exactly. That, that, that's way more fun to play. In. So dude, hurry up. Uh, but uh, a little more, maybe I guess seriously, um, is explore. The way that I landed in a mass comm was I explored different majors. I, I you know, I, I do have a love of learning and I think any good marketer does uh, because it's always changing, right? It's always adapting. There's always these new viewpoints coming up, even what we talked about today in college you do the same thing. Hey, let me try out this major. Hey, let me try out an intro course to this major. Hey, maybe I love biology. Whoop! That lab just destroyed me. Nope. Uh, you know, may or may not have happened. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but then you get out of college. It's like, Hey, you have a degree in this one thing, go do that one thing. It's like, no, uh, don't, you know, I have a mass communication degree. There's uh, uh, you know, so I did video production, a lot of writing, a, a lot of, uh, you know, some reporting stuff around that. I, I, those skills and a lot of the soft skills I developed around that helped me now. You know, I I've probably written, written, over a million words in my career. doesn't mean believe- I'm necessarily writing for a living though. Uh, you know, it might be web content, it might be ad content. It might be, uh, you know, this blog where I did research. Um, but if I had explored more of the skills that were available and I had developed a love of learning earlier in my career, I think it'd be so much stronger than I am today. And I think I would have found uh, a lot of this with marketing uh, earlier because the first three or four years of my career, I kind of did this one thing and I tried to specialize and it just did not work. And I, but I, that love of learning was not there. Even though I just spent four years in college cultivating a love of learning, I kind of abandoned that. So explore just like you did uh, in college uh, with all of your academics, uh, because that was, um, I I lost that for a while. And I think that uh, hampered me early in my career.
0: Love that idea of exploring and trying things. You never know where that passion might come from. And you might be one phone call, one one meeting, one book away from like that next new favorite passion you've never knew you existed. So, um, cool, very cool, dude. This has been fun. Where can people connect with you? And by the way, for those people tracking on things, and remember, we will have to come back and talk about attribution. In fact, before we get to the, I had this thought. You mentioned the legacy mindset. Right, and we like to poo-poo the people, especially the old execs at some company that like don't even understand social. They're still asking about MySpace, and you're like uh, these people. But you know what? We can all be guilty of that, especially if you're not practically in it, using it day to day. So I love that you've done this research on this topic, and you've brought up some great points. I've learned a bunch today, um, but I need to make sure I'm not falling into the legacy mindset too. I think how we do that is with good podcasts, um, but also good content. So I, I, I've given you a nickname. You're the great filter um, <laughs> or the great marketing filter. And and I would be stoked to hear about your next topic. I don't know if you've thought about it yet, but it, it could be attribution. We could talk about that. Or uh, I'd love to put a in for AI because the, the bullshit is real right now around mm. it. But I'd love to know what actually is the here, case. Here. Um, so I don't know, but I want to encourage you to do this again. Um, and, and people have only heard, they haven't even seen this paper you've written. So do you have a next one in mind of what you'd like to do?
1: There's a few topics that are interesting. What I need to do is kind of sit down and outline it and then start to research it and then really see, Oh, what's really piquing my interest. Um, AI actually is one uh, where I'm going. Cause I'm, I'm in the, is AI has AI just been overrated for 10 years camp. Uh, you know, I kind of feel yes. like it has been, but, but exploring that further, you know, is it, is it being used in ways I don't know, uh, you know, cause I don't fully understand that space necessarily uh, demand gen versus ABM uh, is another one where uh, that's been fleshed out to some degree, but also there's so many nuances. Cause I do both and I made a lot of mistakes trying to do some ABM uh, because, you know, demand gen is user-based ABM is yeah. account-based. Like how does that look functionally? Um, And I think if I explore that some more, I'll probably learn and become a better marketer myself. So that is, that is interesting.
0: You know, Um, real quick, I did, I wrote down ABM as well. I forgot to mention that. Look, I love Sixth Sense. I love Terminus. I love the people at these companies. They're good companies. But I'm also really confused and have my suspicions that there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that are maybe overrated as well. Right? So by calling you the great filter, I would, you know, I've unfollowed everyone else. So it's like, Whatever you tell me is the case, I, I think I, I will trust moving forward. So um, so yeah, any of these things, definitely do the research. I'll tell you what I think I know. Um, you know, forms are one thing, but some like I am really in the clouds when it comes to the ABM side. And mm. I'm very skeptical on the AI side. So, but what I will do is I will make sure I have that student mentality when I listen to your research analysis on these topics. The,
1: the, the, the question could I be wrong uh, is one that I know I struggle to, to really arrive to because yeah. nobody wants to reflect in that way or admit that you might be wrong. I don't, uh, you know, <laughs> like I said, I'm told I'm wrong all the time now with two kids and cats. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I want to be right sometimes, Yes. Uh, but, but, but asking that question led me to, to uh, you know, uh, an article that was, I found fascinating, loved writing, got to talk to some really interesting marketers and hear points of view. I had never considered before, all by asking the question, what if I have this wrong? Um, so, yeah, I, I do hope to do it again. And, uh, and you know, hopefully, uh, if that happens, then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll touch base.
0: Yeah, man. And record those interviews and turn that into your own podcast.
1: <laughs>
0: and you're welcome. So, hey, where can people get in touch <laughs> with advice. you? Right? Where, where do you want them to reach out with social platforms or web addresses? Or where can they get some of these cool bundles? Some, what, uh, this particular bundle or this particular piece of content. Where do they get this one at, so they can follow up on the forms?
1: So petowitzgroup.com uh, is the website where you can go see the bundles. Uh, you know, We have plenty of content that's ungated, obviously, because blogs, You know, we're not going to get everything. You want it in PDF format, go for it. So what we've talked about today, you can see it in action. Uh, Drift is on our site. We use Sixth Sense. So you want to talk about that or you want to see some of that in action, go to our site. Uh, I'm active on LinkedIn. It's the only social platform uh, I have time for. Uh, I, you know, and student mindset, a well curated news feed, uh, really, really can, can be helpful. Um, so, uh, LinkedIn, uh, C-A-L-E-B-R-U-L-E, just come find me, uh, and, you know, just shoot me a connection request and, and let's talk shop. I'm not going to sell you something to messages. I love talking shop. Uh, I feed off of meeting with other, uh, marketers to be able to do that. Or if you want to email me, Kayla, first name dot last name at pedowitzgroup.com. So, group.com I'd be happy to chat or, if you're, if you're looking to sell me something, look at my LinkedIn profile. I will tell you how to get a response from me. It is it is buried in my description. Guaranteed response from me.
0: This is great, man. This is absolutely great. Um, you know, and, and I even had a thought. You have a really cool name. I don't know if you've ever thought of like Marketing Rules.
1: You know, it's hilarious.
0: Ponder that. I,
1: I, I have not thought of that.
0: Marketing <laughs> I've Rules.
1: Heard, with- I've, I've heard rule jokes, but that's a new one.
0: Anyways, this research is great. Whatever I can do to help you out <laughs> with future ones, connecting you to other ones, other guests of the show, happy to do that. Thank you so much for being on here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. It's been a pleasure.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, man. I mean, my brain, I've learned, man, bundles. Bundles is one of my takeaways. I had not thought about that or the, the legacy mindset we got to watch out for. Mm. So much good stuff. Uh, for those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I have literally two pages of notes front and back over here then share this episode with someone else. That's thought leadership. Get good information into other people's hands. That's how we make this world go around. Um, And with that, Caleb, thanks again, man. Thank you. All right, everybody. This has been another exciting episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will see you all next time.